We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. My name is Mike Wellen. I'm joined by Gage Bridgeford as... It's time for some unpopular opinions, as we're going to break down four different opinions for this offseason. And they may be popular to some, but for most, I'm assuming they'll be a little unpopular, but it'll be a lot of fun to talk about. But, Gage, officially football is done. It's the offseason. Uh, how are you feeling? What are your thoughts so far going forward? You know, uh, we are a week out of the Super Bowl. The the Bucks fans have become just as unbearable as expected. Congratulations. You guys won your Super Bowl. The first time you made the playoffs in like 10 plus years or whatever, and you guys had great success. I'm very happy for you. Uh, but it's so hopefully they die down because they're kind of obnoxious and claiming like they've been good forever. But for Green Bay, uh, fans are seeming to take the offseason well so far. I've seen the, uh, like obviously with the J.J. Watt news with him being released, everyone wants him resigned. I'm just letting everybody know now we're not going to talk about that today. That is, uh, I believe they covered that either on yesterday's show or on Friday. And I know Andy Herman covered it over on YouTube, so you can go watch it there. I just, the Packer fans are doing a good job so far of not just like getting into full toxicity offseason mode, which has happened a lot in the past few years. So I think that they have some faith in Gutekinds and Matt LaFleur to make the right calls and Hopefully hopefully we can continue this. Hopefully we can go into draft season and have a good draft and just uh, keep things rolling in a good way. You're absolutely right. Of course, we're now just under 75 days from draft day. And I will say for the Bucks fans, I'm with you for the most part, but Drunk Brady was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it was good to see Brady drunk because he's finally getting to cut loose after being really stiff and uh, and whatnot in New England. Obviously, there was the whole Patriot way and stuff, but it was cool to see guys that haven't won before uh, really get to win. Um, like Levante David, who's been, in my opinion, probably top two, top three linebacker for his entire career, uh, consistently had put up better stats than Luke Keekley and Bobby Wagner, but he was always looked at as second, as third banana behind those two guys despite putting up just as good of numbers as they were on a worse team. And so I really like that. I like getting to see guys that haven't won before get to win. Like, yeah, Brady and Gronk, whatever. I don't really care if they got to win. But I, I liked seeing two guys that haven't won before get to win. So that's, that's probably my 
the thing that I enjoyed most uh, off of this Super Bowl so far. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I, that was very interesting to see. But now going forward, the season is done. It is time for the off season and speculation and things like that are always going to be fun. So we have we have four unpopular opinions that we're going to talk about and kind of debate, go back and forth with, engage. Uh, I know you came up with the first one, so I'll let you take it off, and then we'll go from there. All right, so my first one is going to be that they don't need to draft a wide receiver on day one or day two. Alan Lazard's an exclusive rights free agent, so he'll be back. Bob Tunyon's a restricted free agent. He'll be back. Green And Marquez Valdez-Scantling still under contract, and Aaron Rodgers is still there. And I believe EQ also still under contract. So I understand there's going to be a lot of people that say, oh, we need a wide receiver. We need a wide receiver. This is what happened. We would have won with that way if we had another wide receiver. No, you wouldn't. Wide receivers don't play defense. They Wide receivers don't play corner. Wide receivers don't stop the run. That's not what they do. Could the wide receivers of another wide receiver, like Justin Jefferson, is the example I'm going to use because he just had an amazing year, and I love Justin Jefferson. Could he have maybe made a difference this year? Sure, but Green, Bay's def- or Green Bay also showed that it doesn't matter who's on the field in order to generate yardage. You had what, There was a week to where, what, Malik Taylor and – uh, Malik Turner, and I can't even remember. Who was the other one? Who was the other one that I was forgetting that they Gary Shepard were like your top three wide receivers? And I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, Green Bay won that game. Matt LaFleur's scheme makes it to where elite wide receivers, I guess, having Devontae Adams helps and having another guy across from him would help more, but you don't need those guys because the scheme just generates open yardage and open plays for these guys. I saw a stat this morning that Green Bay's wide receivers led the NFL in yardage dropped, or like passing yards dropped by like 95 yards over the next person, which was uh, Patrick Mahomes. And Rodgers still threw, and Rodgers threw 100 less passing, or like 97 less passing attempts than Patrick Mahomes did. So yeah, I get it that everyone wants to say that the only reason that Green Bay didn't win, like in the playoffs, was because they didn't have another, they didn't have another wide receiver. That's not the case. They don't need to draft a wide receiver on day one or day two. I I think this wide receiver draft class is really deep, and I think that there's a lot of talent in it. But more importantly. Last year's wide receiver class was super deep and super talented. There was a guy, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was a, a, the third, wide, third or fourth wide receiver for the Browns, third in the playoffs, who was starting for them, and he went on in the sixth round of the draft. This wild, a lot of teams went and got wide receivers last year, so they're not going to have as much of a need this year, so wide receivers are probably going to split further down. And plus, we also don't have the the top, consensus top guys that we had last year. I understand everyone's like, oh, you have Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. Yeah, well, last year we had Justin Jefferson, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Rager all went in the first. Brandon Ayuk went first. Last year's wide receiver class was loaded at the top. Everyone wants another wide receiver. You don't need it. What you need is you need better protection, as evidenced by Green Bay and KC in the Super, in the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship game. You need better protection like a more offensive line depth or you need more defensive line depth because you can't have Leonard Fournette getting just running all over you. Leonard Fournette had multiple plays in the Green Bay game where if you have a better defensive line, you probably stop him and you're able to shut and you're able to shut him down and shut down drives. Green Bay didn't do that. So that's why I'm more of a build through the trenches guy because you have the you have guys on the outside that can make stuff happen and LaFleur can take a guy in the 6th round that was a 
Division II player out of South Dakota State who can make plays for you because the scheme allows him to do that. I understand it's unpopular. I understand I like wide receiver, and I think that there's some wide receivers in this class I would like Green Bay to get, but at the same time, I think there's more pressing needs. Everyone's going to say, oh, well, drop yardage wouldn't happen if you had better receivers. Drop passes happen. It's just, it, it happens. Hunter Renfro, who was like the most sure-handed guy in college football, still had drops last year. So, drops are going to happen, just you're going to have to put up with it. No, I agree with you, and, and this is unpopular, but as a receiver is the sexy type of player that people draft, people want to pick up. But I'm with you. Build from the inside out. You build on the line. You get quarterback and get offensive linemen. Those are the ones that are better to find early. They're tough to find on day three. Look at some noble receivers in history on day three. Donald Driver, Antonio Brown. I mean, even guys that aren't as that level, like MVS was a day three pick, and he was out one of the better offensive players near the end of the year. He was one of the few guys that actually played well the entire Tampa Bay game. Like guys like that, you can find you can find talent for receivers from these small schools late, late day two, early day three. So yeah, I don't think it's a priority to take these receivers early. I'd rather get an, an, another tackle. I'd rather get a defensive defensive end than a wide receiver on days one or day two. I agree with you. It's, it should not be a priority for this Packers team. They, they can win, and we're going to be even more than number one offense with another receiver with with Alan Lazard, MVS, and Adams. I with that is my favorite argument. That is my absolute favorite argument. Well, we, w- we would have done this. We, oh, we would have been the number one offense even more? What, what do you want? They were already the best offense in football this year. How, like, why, why can you be bad? Oh, by the way, quick, uh, quick note for the people that say you can't get wide receivers on day three. Stephon Diggs, also a wide receiver, like, that was picked in the fifth round from Maryland. Darren Waller, who was a wide receiver and now linebacker, pro- or, wide receiver, or t- tight end, probably second best, second or third best tight end in football, he was also a, he was picked in the sixth round. You can get guys like. Yes, yeah, Stefan Diggs is definitely one of my biggest hits. I'm talking with some of my friends when I was down in college, I said he was going to be good right away. Yeah, but again, a day three pick. So again, yeah, both of us we agree. Receiver is not a not a huge need on day one or two. You can find them on day three. This next one is going to be a very heated debate and one that will get, I'm sure, a lot of discussion, and this is mine, and that is Kevin King is worth bringing back on a one-year prove-it contract, and I have my reasons for this. One, yes, we all agree, he had a brutal game in the NFC Championship game. Obviously, the end of the half play, the penalty at the end, the mistiming of the jump on the Mike Evans touchdown, it was, it, it was a nightmare game for him, and That'll drive down his market for one thing, because I that's gonna that's gonna hurt him because that's the last memory people have of him. But two, I think he fits this defense a lot better than he did the Mike Pettin defense. And throughout the past couple seasons, it's been shown that the secondary is better when he's out there. It, it, it was he he was better than Josh Jackson, he was better than Shannon Sullivan, and he's a guy who, especially in 2019, was a playmaker. The five interceptions don't lie. Even being Johnny on the spot this year against Carolina, returning the goal line fumble. Like I, I think bringing back on a one-year, maybe one and a half to two million dollar contract. It doesn't. It, obviously, if he priced himself out, so be it. He leaves. But if you bring him back on a one-year deal, like they did with Nick Perry before he had his breakout season, just a prove-it contract, make him show that he is worth keeping in the NFL. And I think you 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 can still have a very good quarterback duo. And I know I've been kind of a king king guy the past few years. 
probably out of an ego thing to try and defend him because he's gotten a lot of hate ever since he was drafted. But I think it's it's I think it's it would not be the end of the world if they brought him back on that one year contract to see what he can do in Joe Barry's defense. Well, Mike, did you know that by drafting Kevin King and trading out of that pick, they could, instead of doing that, they could have drafted T.J. Watt out of Wisconsin? Did you know that? They also could have drafted David and Joku, who they traded out, the original pick they traded out of. I'm just, I, I just, like, I know you and I both here, and like, oh, well, they could have had T.J. Watt. Yeah, you know what? They could have. So could, like, 30 other teams that did not draft T.J. Watt. But this whole... Like, I completely – I agree in the standpoint of he fits the scheme better. He fits the scheme better, and he's better than you're going to get – and he's he's probably better than who you're going to get in the draft. Uh, this cornerback class is not the one to, like, need a corner in. You have Patrick Sertan, who I like. You have Caleb Farley, who I like. J.C. Horn's fine. I think he's a little grabby for me. And if you don't like Kevin King's physicality – J.C. Horn's going to be worse. J.C. Horn will get called for a grab on just about every play. He is a very physical corner. Uh, he, he gets a little grabby at times, and that's going to be a problem for him and that he'll have to work out of. I, I mean, I shared something on Twitter yesterday that was, that was dogging Kevin King because it was like Kevin King has had tackling issues, and that's one of my main problems with him is watching him, ta- is watching him just not tackle. Everyone makes the joke, oh, he thinks he's a heat-seeking missile and just throws his body at guys. That's legitimately what he does. He, he doesn't go and try and tackle. He just runs, throws, and hopes that you fall down when he hits you. Um, I, I, the, like, there's, no, there's not going to be good corners available. I agree that his price will probably get pushed down because of recency bias. People see that'll be the last thing they see is that. It's like the, the whole uh, we see guys get poached every year off of Super Bowl teams and off of, uh, off of Super Bowl coaching staffs because they're good. Granted, somehow Tampa didn't lose like hardly any coaches this year, which I thought was impressive considering every time every other like coaching staff that gets vultured. I think that Kevin bringing Kevin King back wouldn't be the worst thing. I also think Josh Jackson could be better in this scheme just because the whole issue with him with Josh Jackson specifically is he gets played out of position just like Kevin King does. Neither one of those guys are speedy like shifty corners that can play in space like Jair Alexander. They're both big physical guys who have size who you need to use their size to their advantage. And that doesn't that doesn't happen a whole lot. So I I agree with bringing him back if he's cheap enough. I'm also I'm not going to pay up big and I'm not going to give him a multi-year deal. I'll give him if like if he wants a multi-year deal, you can do like a two-year deal with a team option on the second year and decline that or like or an out like just have all the money in the first season, but then again, that's going to have that's probably going to just be really like too. It's probably going to be too expensive for a team that needs to find savings any way they can. So, I so I agree with bringing back Kevin King from the standpoint that it's going to be hard to find a better option behind him. Like there's not unless you get lucky in the draft and hit on some some random guy that you didn't expect to. You're not going to you're not going to find a guy that's better than Kevin King right now. Kevin King has issues that he needs to work on. Also, in terms of people that want to lambast him for that end of the half play. When everybody else on the team admits that the play call was wrong and there was supposed to be a timeout and the coach set him up to fail, you can't dog him too much. The coach, like the coaches, all admitted that Petten did made the wrong call, like by calling it that way, and they didn't call a timeout when they should have, and whatnot. And then you also look at the fact that if that game was called the same way, either Kevin King's flag at the end of the game wouldn't have been a flag, 
before the ball would, or if they were calling that all game, Rodgers doesn't throw a pick because Sean Murphy Bunton gets called for holding, and then Kevin King never gets put in that situation. So for all the people that want to dog him for all this stuff, you have to look at the entire context of everything that happened in that game, and it's the recency bias that's going to be a problem. Kevin King was a reasonable corner this year. Was Kevin King great in the lead? No. But when you're playing opposite Jair Alexander, you're not going to be – gonna, everyone's going to say, okay, well, you're not Jair. You're not the second version of him. So I agree that Kevin King could be brought back. I'm not going to, like, break the bank to do it. But, like, if he wants to come back for a deal, I'll take it. Like, I, I think that, that you could do a lot worse than Kevin King for one more year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and everything you said is spot on. Recency bias, the play call. I, I personally, when that play happened, I was going after Will Redmond for not covering over the top as a safety. But and not understanding when a guy gets behind you, you follow him. But that, with that being said, yeah, one-year deal, prove, make him prove himself again. He gets he's going to get targeted a lot because he is not Jair Alexander, and Jair has completely erased half the field whenever he's out there. And if you can bring him back for, let's say, one year, two million, but basically what his rookie contract was for one more year, instead of instead of trying to look at an Xavier Rhodes or Richard Sherman or bring in a rookie to try and do the same thing, I think that's the safer bet. Plus, I think he, he I think he fits in that locker room, in that secondary room. I mean, how often you heard from Matt LaFleur how important team chemistry is, which 
where we may not see as much roster turnover as we think because they value what each and every voice brings into the locker room. Yeah, exactly. His, his um, like he clearly fits well with this team. There's no, there's guys that you can tell just aren't going to be long term fits. They're not going to be long term players in this locker room. Like another guy that I think needs to be brought back is Mercedes Lewis. We're not going to really. I don't want to go too in depth on him, but that is a guy that everybody in the locker room loves. Everybody in the locker room respects him. They want to see him brought back, and he gives them something that the other tight ends on this roster don't. And I also think he's cheap enough that he he'll, he can come back. Green Bay can find the money to bring him back some way or another. So I think Mercedes is going to come back. But I agree, the locker room chemistry thing is a big deal because you have you because you have guys that just fit. Jair Alexander fits. Jamal Williams, who we'll talk about here in a little bit, fits. You want guys that make the locker room a positive and healthy environment to be around. And I, I never heard a single person say, anything about Kevin King and how he didn't fit. I never heard any beef or disagreements happening in regards to Kevin King. The only people that didn't like Kevin King was Twitter. That's the only people that I ever heard say anything negative about him. Twitter and then people and then analysts that didn't watch Green Bay and just saw Kevin King getting burned on a highlight or two. So I agree bring Kevin King back just for, because of locker room, like, he he fits well, and you don't have another replacement. You're not going to find one in the draft. He makes a it makes a lot of sense to just bring him back. So, I uh, also a quick announcement that, that doesn't really affect Green Bay. Uh, Trevor Lawrence will have labrum surgery on his left shoulder on Tuesday. So, that'll that'll be happening. But yeah, I agree. Kevin King, if you can bring him back for the right price, I have no problem bringing him back just because there's nothing else to replace him. It's the idea that you're right that Kevin King has issues that he needs to work through, but you, you, if you can't replace him, there's no point doing it. It's like firing a guy just for the sake of doing so. Like, oh, we're gonna get rid of this. We're gonna get rid of this guy. Okay, well, who are you gonna replace him with? I don't know. We just need to, we need to make a change. Okay, that's cool. But if you don't have a better replacement, then what's the point of making a change? All you're gonna do is make yourself worse. And that's fun. And, and the best example to compare that would be like when Demarius Randall was around. I mean, he was a locker room problem. This is the exact opposite. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, for the right price. It will be unpopular, and everyone's writing him has gone already. I think Kevin King, for one year, can be brought back. Uh, our next one, we stay with the defense. And Gage, this one, again, is also your priority. And this also kind of goes more toward the draft again. Yeah. Um, I think they shouldn't prioritize inside linebacker in the draft. Green Bay has never done it, ever. In the entire, like, in the la- when's the last time Green Bay made inside linebacker a priority in the draft? Was it Nick Barnett and A.J. Hawk era? Yeah, and Hawk was drafted as a strong side linebacker. He wasn't drafted as for the middle. He drafted as a 4-3 on the outside. Okay, so there you go. Because Barnett it's was been, in the middle. Yep, so it's been, what, 17 years since they made inside linebacker priority, and I don't think they're going to change that, and I don't think they need to change that. I agree that in the scheme that Joe Barry's going to bring over, which prioritizes having a traditional, like, like Mike linebacker in the middle of the defense, I understand that that's a thing, but... With Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin, who those guys aren't perfect, because I'm of the camp that I think Christian Kirksey's gone. He just, I think he costs more money than he's worth, and I think you and you can save a lot of money by letting him go. So I'm of the camp that Kirksey can leave, and then with but with Christian Kirk or with Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes, I think you can get by with those two, and I don't think you need to prioritize inside linebacker. This is but. The thing about this draft is this is the one where if you need a linebacker, you can go get one. Uh, you got 
Nick Bolton out of Missouri. You had Dylan Moses out of Alabama who slipped a little bit just because he played hurt all year long, but he played all year long. Um, you have uh, who's the who's the guy? You have Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa out of Notre Dame. You have this draft has good li- Micah Parsons out of Penn State. You have, this draft has a lot of really good linebacker talent. Draft uh, Zayvon Collins. That's the other one I was trying to think. Of. I like the talent at linebacker in this draft, but I don't think Green Bay needs to target it. They like what I already talked about earlier. I'm more of the camp that they need to address the trenches. And if you do let Kevin King go, you need to get help a corner. I don't think the inside linebacker is a priority because so many teams play in sub. I understand that Green Bay is going to play less sub than they did under Mike Pettin, but I also don't think they're going to be needing a third a third linebacker. When you have two good ones, you can find a third, find another one on day like late day two, early day three, to kind of fill in alongside those two guys. Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin are not flawless players by any means, but. Kamal, but they they are good enough that if you just add another good enough guy, you will be able to get by. So I think that with other more pressing needs, you shouldn't be addressing linebacker, which in my opinion is not the most valuable not the most valuable position. Football, similar to running back, it's kind of a replaceable thing. So that's kind of where my stance is on linebacker. Don't 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 be aggressive in trying to fix it. It's similar to wide receiver. You can get by without like making a premium investment in that pick. I agree with you, and especially late in the first round, rookie linebackers are kind of a crapshoot. I mean, we heard all about they should have Patrick Queen. He was not good last year for Baltimore in any way. He he really really struggled in playing all the snaps that he did. And we also talk about you talk about Josh Jackson in our last topic of maybe this new defense could help him out. Maybe that could happen for Oren Burks as well, getting a, a, as a third linebacker and a special teams guy. I mean, he's he's got the athletic ability. He just needs to be more fundamentally sound and be, be more be more assertive. Maybe a new coordinator can help him with that, and he can work with Kirk Olivadotti and and have a and have a, cr- a career resurgence in a contract here. There's a lot of things going on, and I agree with you that it's not a I don't think he's a day one priority. If there's one there. Sure, go find it. Like if if Bolton is there at 29, and you think he's the best player on your board, and you're Brian Gutekunst, take him. But don't reach because it's a linebacker, and don't be go flying a free agency because it's a linebacker. Like, I mean, a lot of us called Christian Kirksey last year because he was cut, but Chris Barnes looked so much better than when we thought. Carl Martin got better. He's still a, kind of a missile and kind of kind of Kevin King syndrome as far as tackling goes, but. He, he's got enough talent there to make an impact, and and like I said, could this be the proven one last proving ground for a guy like Oren Burks or a guy if they bulk up Raven Green and bring him back? Like there's there's different options at linebacker that they already have that it it doesn't need it doesn't need to be a priority over either offense or defensive line or or maybe corner like or or even another edge like inside linebacker will be more important under this defense than it was under Pettin, but it's still not as important, at least in my opinion, and I think yours as well, to have to scramble to use a high pick on. Absolutely. Um, like we like I said, it's about, all about the value of a pick. I think that, like I said, linebacker is not exactly the most valuable position. I think the most valuable positions are pass rushers, uh, defensive linemen, and offensive linemen. Like in, the, in the draft, I understand everyone's going to say, oh, quarterbacker. Uh, guys that score points, corners, but I think for this 
Packers team, you need inter- you need offensive line depth, especially if you are unable to re-sign Christian Kirksey. I think Green Bay's offensive line depth is. I think Green Bay's offensive line is good, but I think that they need some more depth at certain spots. And on defense, on the defensive line, Dean Lowry can be cut to save money, and I think that that's a good decision. I think you have guys like Kingsley Kiki that can still be on the roster. Montrevious Adams could be an interesting defensive line piece. You could, but if you and if you don't get those guys, you this this draft is not the strongest in terms of overall defensive talent, defensive line talent, but really deep group. Christian Barmore, who, uh, Christian Barmore is really talented, and he might not even go in the first like 15, 16 picks of the draft. He'll probably end up there because he's a Bama guy, and he's the he's the next Quinnen Williams type or whatever. But I think he's a talented player. Jalen Twyman out of Pittsburgh. Uh, you have you have uh, Jay Tufele out of um, out of USC. There's some talent on the day on the second day of this draft that Green Bay can get, or in on late day one if they really feel like it that can really help elevate this team immediately in year one. Like And like Mike said, everyone, we were all, they should have drafted Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen was, I believe, if I remember correctly, the worst overall linebacker in, by pro football focus this year. Everyone was clamoring for him, and everyone thought he was great, and he was the worst linebacker in football. Not It wasn't anybody else. It wasn't anybody on Green Bay. It wasn't Christian Kirksey. It wasn't Kamal Martin. It wasn't any of them. It was Patrick Queen the rookie out of LSU. I think Patrick Queen's going to get better. I think it's just a time to take a position that takes time. But if you, but those guys don't always hit in year one. And even linemen don't hit in year one. But it's a little, it's more noticeable when you got a guy that can't function in space than when you got a guy that can't function in the, in the line. You're like, yeah, if you got a guy that's just getting bowled over every play, you're going to notice that. But more often than not, defensive linemen can come in from day one and be fine. They can be serviceable. And... With an offense like this, you need a serviceable defense. The problem is Green Bay's defense hasn't always been serviceable. Yeah, all your all your points are, are spot on. And so that gets us to our final unpopular opinion. This one is mine, and it hurts me a little inside just because I am a huge fan of number 33. But in my opinion, Jamal Williams is more important to the team to bring back than Aaron Jones. And that's not a knock on Aaron in any way. He is the second or third most exciting running back that I've watched in my lifetime of being a Packer fan behind only Amon Green and maybe Eddie Lacy. Aaron Jones is dynamic. He does everything you want. He's gotten better as a blocker. He's put all the work in his game to become a top-tier running back. But when you factor in the money he's going to be asking for, especially now that he's got Rosenhaus as his agent, they already turned down one contract offer. He's had issues at times with hanging on to the football and with, and with injuries. Jamal Williams has missed two games each of the last two years, yes. But Jamal Williams is as assignment sound as you find. He will be a lot cheaper than Aaron Jones. He does not fumble. He, I think he's 70 or so carries away, touches away from setting the all-time record for most without a fumble in NFL history behind only Ladanian Tomlinson. And the big thing for me with this point is what Jamal Williams brings to this locker. We talked earlier about... Mercedes Lewis and what he brings to that group as Kyler Julius Peppers, wise old man of the offense. And even if he weren't playing, I'd love to have him in as a coach for tight ends. Jamal Williams, the brevity and the sense of wonder and fun that he brings into that locker room, where you have the vocalists, you have the Rodgers, the Smiths, the Lewises, the Clarks, the Alexanders, the Amos, those guys who are, who are going to talk and be serious at times. Jamal Williams, with the dancing, with just the the childlike wonder that he brings every time he's on the field. When, I mean, the fact that the dance cam became a thing this past season with Jamal being a center point of it, league-wide, really, 
make it adds that extra element to this lo- to this team that you that's almost impossible to replace. There is no player in the NFL like Jamal Williams, and if he were to leave, and Aaron Jones were to leave, that is that is a big time departure, and I think Jamal brings so much more than people realize to this team, and I think he should be a priority in bringing back. Yeah, my argument throughout the process has very similar to you, Mike. I've said the entire time, I would love to have Aaron Jones back, but I also understand that him being as talented of a player as he is, it's kind of hard to, it's hard to bring him back at the deal he wants. They tried to offer him a deal where it was backloaded, and he turned it down. And, And I saw some people try and blast him and say, oh, he's being selfish or this or that. No, he's not. He plays in a position where teams are actively looking to get to get rid of you as soon as possible. That look at Todd Gurley. He he never even played a single snap on the big deal he signed with the Rams. Never played a snap on that deal. You have Ezekiel Elliott, who people are demolishing him because he couldn't figure out how to run behind five backup offensive linemen with a backup quarterback. My bad. That I guess that's Zeke's fault because his it's his fault for taking the money. No. Their position is is a dying one, and you have to get paid as soon as you can, and that's what Aaron Jones is trying to do. He wants to go, and he wants to get his money, and rightfully so. He just played for the past four years making pennies because it was a fifth-round pick. Green Bay, never, just because you're good doesn't mean, like, doesn't mean you get you don't get paid more. That's why backs like Deshaun Watson, who is now trying to get out of Houston, rightfully so, everyone wants to say, oh, well, he shouldn't have signed the contract in the first place. Literally two years ago, couldn't fly to games. He had to ride the bus everywhere because he had been beaten up so badly behind a backup offensive line that he had to take the bus. So he signed the deal to get the money while he could. Aaron Jones is trying to do the same thing. He wants to get paid because he doesn't know when his career is going to be over. It takes one injury for him to lose all of his speed, lose his explosiveness and other stuff to just for his career to be done, and everyone wants to – Blast him for it? No. Take get out of here. Take that take and get out. I love Jamal Williams, and I think that he's. If you're going to bring back one of those two, he's the one to bring back just because he's going to be cheaper. And it sucks that it all comes down to money, but at the end of the day, it is a business. Green Bay has AJ Dillon, and if they bring back Jamal, great. At the same time, if they have AJ Dillon and they draft a rookie, I think it can get by. But I would I would feel much more comfortable having Jamal out there, especially for. Pass blocking work just until we know that AJ Dillon is sound, and, and Jamal is just going to be much cheaper. He's not going to cost the twelve million that Aaron Jones is trying to get. He's probably going to cost four to five. And if I can get Jamal Williams at three years for fifteen million dollars, I can stomach that money a lot better than I can stomach Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones for four years and forty-eight million. That's a, it, like I can I can stomach that deal a lot better. So while I would love to have Aaron Jones back because I agree he's extremely exciting and a fun player, and he's been extremely talented for this Green Bay team, and he brings, and he's been so good. At the end of the day, it comes down to money. And there's guys that are going to get cut this year and going to be lost this year because of money, and Aaron Jones, I think, is unfortunately going to be one of them. Yeah, I know, I'm with you. And, and but I, I and I, again, I can't overstate to myself, to myself how important Jamal is to that, that offensive locker room itself. And they, can, and they can find another dynamic back. Not as dynamic as Aaron Jones, but I mean, a lot of rumors have been James White as the as the new third down back, but what Jamal does, 
on the field is 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 just as vital. And I do think, yeah, we, coming down to money, they already got to clear up enough room as it is. And if yeah, if you bring them back for a cheap amount, cheap enough number, it, it's I, it's it seems to be almost a no-brainer. And if anyone can make it work, it'd be Russ Ball. Russ Ball is a wizard with the cap. I I have a couple of friends who I've talked to about uh, about contract stuff throughout the off season, and one of them uh, who was a Colts fan, he said Green Bay never seems to have contract problems, and I said. They have contract problems. They just don't have them as bad as other teams do because they they don't Green Bay doesn't do what Philly and New Orleans did. Philly and New Orleans went all in and kept put, kept deferring money, kept deferring money, kept deferring money. Green Bay will defer money, but they also know point when you can't defer a player's money anymore. That's why the whole issue with restructuring Rodgers is such a big is such a big topic of debate. Everyone says, oh well, Rodgers, you can restructure Rodgers and give him more money add like another couple of years onto his deal, okay, if you do that and you are officially giving up on Jordan Love, if you if you restructure Rodgers and give him any more time on his deal, you are giving up on Jordan Love as your as your franchise quarter franchise quarterback in the future. Also, like Father Time remains undefeated. Everyone wants to point to Brady. Brady will not beat Father whether it happens now or whether it happens or whether it happens two years from now and either Brady's going to retire before it happens or it's going to happen. And then Max Kellerman's finally going to be right six years later. So the whole idea that you have to defer the money, that works for a guy like Devontae Adams. That's why extending Devontae Adams this offseason is so critical because he's still young enough that you can defer his money, add years onto his deal, and he'll be fine. And you'll be able to get through with that. Z, you can add, add years onto his deal, extend him, move him on. That's why extending Bakhtiari was so big. Extending all these guys, extending Kenny Clark last year, that's why that was so big. Because you have young guys that you can extend and you can afford to take that money later. So that way, when it comes to later, and you say, okay, Devontae, you're 35, you're, you're a little long in the tooth, you're ready to hang it up, we're okay. We're not going to lose any money here by because we extended you two or three times. You have guys like in like in New Orleans where they extended so much at all these young guys and now they all have, have all these other young guys they have to pay and they can't get out from under the money. Philly can't get out from under the money. Russ Ball is the best in the business at what he does. He is better than any other team in the league. I don't want to hear otherwise because you're because you're wrong. You're not going to prove to me that Russ their team is better at managing the cap than Green Bay is because Green Bay, yeah, they're over the cap, but somehow Green Bay's going to get under the cap this year and still sign two or three good players in free agency. I don't know how they're going to do it, but it's going to happen just because Russ Ball is better than you at what he does. Yeah, a couple points to that. First of all, don't give Max Kellerman any credit, but on the, on the other side, I'm with you. Ever since really 2005 when Ted Thompson... That was sarcastic credit. I'm not legitimately giving him credit. He's, he missed. He's wrong. And he finally admitted he's wrong. But yes, I was just I was saying he's going to be too late and he's going to finally be correct. Fair enough, but still making sure don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. But, yeah, I'm with you. Ever since Russ Ball came in and rectified all of the mistakes of the Mike Sherman era, as far as some of the free agent moves that were made then, he's been he's been a guru. He's been a, he's been great at it, and, and you're right. Green Bay has not had the cap issues that New Orleans, Philly, or the worst case I've ever saw was Jacksonville in the early 2000s when they signed everybody. And within two years, they had to completely blow everything up and rebuild. With, with Byron Leftwich and David Garrard at quarterback, and not much else. This team will stay financially sound. 
Russ Ball and Brian Gutekunst will make sure of that. How they get there, you're right. We we have no idea. It's going to be a really fun thing to keep an eye on throughout the next couple of months. But they will find a way. And and to me, that involves bringing back Jamal Williams. And so that that was our final point. And those are some of our unpopular opinions. Uh, let us know what you guys think. Uh, you can always you'll find us. Uh, you can find us both on Twitter and also on Packaday Podcast. Let us know. Uh, Gage, where can people find you to let us know how popular we are? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at GBridge for the NFL, as always. Uh, do have some coverage for uh, Game on Wisconsin, uh, as well as Dynasty Nerds, and possibly a couple of other places, depending on how some things turn out. Doing Denver Nuggets coverage for Denver Stiffs, and then I have some other stuff, just fantasy in general, content coming out for Rotoballer. Um, all of my work's going to be, you can find it on my Twitter. I'm trying to put out draft stuff every couple of days and trying to give you guys content to look at and whatnot. And as always, I answer every single DM or tag that you sent that you send my way, uh, like every single time, just to, you know what, it's it's better to do it that way than to just sit there and be like, maybe I'll respond. So uh, that's all I got for you guys uh, on my end. Absolutely. And same thing for me. Find me at Mike Wendland on Twitter, all one word. And again, also, like, my DMs are open. I respond when you went to... Anytime you guys comment, I, I will answer if I see it, uh, I, in which I check for the offense. So I, I very rarely do I do I miss anything. Uh, also check us out again at Packaday Podcast. Check out Andy's work on our YouTube channel. He's done a great job that. And check out every day here on the Packaday Podcast for more of our of the coverage from many of our great colleagues and a lot of the great groups we've we've built over these past couple of years. So again, some unpopular opinions, the offseason underway, this is the time to talk about these kind of things and really kind of have some fun with it. So everyone, let us know what you guys think, what are some of your unpopular opinions as well, let us know. And for Gage Bridgeford, this is Mike Wendland, thanks so long everyone again. Stay warm, stay safe, always carry the G, and go Pack Go. <laughs>